Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Hello and welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast, everyone. I'm Carlene Higgins and I'm here with my Gorge co-host, Jill Dunn. We are two beauty editors who have traded in our magazine pages for microphones and every Wednesday we're bringing you the breakthrough people, products and moments in beauty. Hello, Jill. Did I say that right? You did. Six years <laughs> in, you, you, you've nailed, nailed it. it. <laughs> you've nailed it. So... Howdy to you, Carlene. Hey, everyone. I mean, Carlene, I don't think we've caught up in a hot minute. What's what's been going on? What's shaken? Honestly, nothing. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have the summer camps and all that. But in full transparency to all of our listeners, we are recording this episode in advance before it drops so that we can actually check out and do nothing for a bit this summer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of apropos of the theme of this episode, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, we always want to deliver fresh content every single week and we absolutely are dedicated to doing that. But, you know, sometimes you do have to work a little bit ahead in order to do that. And our guest today really just embodies the whole art of slow beauty and slow living. Mm -hmm. And I have wanted to have this person on the microphone for so long. I've been such an admirer of her and her entire philosophy. And that is May Lindstrom. We caught up with May when we were in L.A. to chat with her about her beloved eponymous skincare brand. And I feel like it's kind of under the radar a little bit. Like usually we're talking about the buzzy, you know, what's next? What's new? There's this power wheel in beauty where it's, you know, fixated and it seems to be cycling faster and faster. When I think of May, she's like the total opposite of that. And her products are as well. It's one of those brands, if you know, you know. It's like Tracy Ellis Ross talked about her products on our show. Mm -hmm. Several editors that I follow are always raving about her products. She's like an insider's insider. And I will give you the vibe of May in one sentence. And that is... Mm She invited us to come the place where she creates her products and literally the next time get in the shower with her. And that kind of like sums up the energy of this woman, I think. Very open, very inviting, very much like close to nature and wanting to get close to, you know, the people experiencing her products. Absolutely. She is like Earth Mother is here. That's how I feel about May Lindstrom. And her skincare line is truly about small batch skincare. And, you know, she even describes herself as the skin chef behind these products. Probably the hero product that you may have heard about, the cult favorite, it's called the Blue Cocoon. It's mm-hmm. 180 US dollars, 240 in Canada, and it is magnificent. It is literally blue, it's a blue bomb. It comes in this beautiful, like dark amber packaging in a little jar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's blue because of the main ingredient, which is blue tansy. And you open the jar and the first thing you get is this incredible aromatherapy quality. This waft. It smells like dessert. It's so delicious smelling. 
instantly calming. It's it's got a magical quality about it. That's all I can say. Yeah. And a little bit goes a long way. You're meant to like use a pea size amount, sort of like put it onto wet skin, massage it in. It's really very calming, very soothing. But it is also addictive, you know? Yes. So there's all kinds of benefits to the blue cocoon. And May's going to go into detail about that today. It turns into a skin oil, good for all skin types. So I'll leave it to her. But I just want to tell you my personal favorite time to use it is when we're flying. Like Jill, when we go on our trips or whatever, I love to put this on before I get on a flight and I just find there's so much less redness, dehydration and irritation. It's a total skin savior. And I love using it in the hotel, too. I feel so much calmer after the stress of a trip, you know? Yeah. And her mission really is to inspire this relationship and a connection to sense and sense of self through skin food and products aside. I think a lot of you will just be really inspired by her story. She's Mm -hmm. an incredible storyteller. She's lived a very interesting life and Mm -hmm. she basically went from living in a car to creating one of the most original and special skincare lines that there is. She's actually so committed to her line of fresh small batch skincare that she actually pulled out of one of the biggest beauty retailers because they weren't rotating the products like they do in a grocery store. So she's a total rebel. I mean, which founder of a beauty brand says no to money? That's yeah. May Lindstrom. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Slow down, grab yourself a cup, park yourself in a hammock and enjoy. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Follow us in Apple Podcasts and don't forget to leave us a review. And everything that we talk about today, we will link to it over on our website at breakingbeautypodcast.com. So here she is. Welcome, May Lindstrom. Pausing to shout out one of our longtime show partners, The Way. Let me count the ways I love The Way. I mean, I have so many of their products in my shower and on my vanity. And The Way, it's giving you confidence. It's giving effortless routine and it's giving quiet luxury. I mean, that's the aesthetic I want to see in my shower. And really, The Way, they're all about empowering you to do what works for you. Personally, I use the shampoo and conditioner for medium hair types and also, I cannot be without the Waze Detox Shampoo. You, you've you heard Carlene and I talk about this product before on the show. Both of us say that it's hashtag damn good. It's in our Hall of Fame. And really, I think of it as the equivalent of my weekly hair reset button. I use it every single Sunday. I get It gets rid of dry scalp and product residue. It's got apple cider vinegar to clarify, but it never strips my hair. And I appreciate that it's sulfate free, color safe, and any hair type can use it. I also really want to try the Waze hair oil. It's their best selling fast fix for healthy looking hair. So it's a multitasking oil that you can use on wet or dry hair, keeps color from fading, and it protects your hair from heat damage. It also smooths frizz and seals split ends and gives you this high gloss, super smooth finish. And I feel like after the summer, my hair is really craving something like that. So whether you've got fine, medium or thick hair or multiple hair concerns, find what you need at The Way. And if you're not sure what your hair type is, they have a handy quiz on their website at theway.com to find out what's going to work best for you. And here's the exciting part. We have a special offer just for Breaking Beauty listeners. Live life your way and get your fast fix for healthy looking hair. Go to theway.com. That's spelled T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code BEAUTY15 for 15% off any purchase. That's theway.com spelled T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use code BEAUTY15. We'll link to this offer in our show notes and on our website. Now back to the show. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram and it's just at Kinsey Elizabeth, I release new episodes every Thursday. So hope to see you there. Welcome to the show. When I first reached out to you when we were planning this trip, I reached out to you on Instagram via DM. Lo and behold, you personally answered (laughs) and you were like, I'm just catching up because I'm chaperoning a kids. You're one of your kids field trips (laughs) in Death Valley. You were camping for five days. So that's not for the faint of heart. It was not. Yeah. (laughs) How many people were camping with you? Oh, you know, it wasn't that huge. I'm actually getting ready to go on my son's version. Oh, my gosh. He's a kindergartner. So I just did my daughter's version and they're in fifth grade. So I'm getting the flip version. I'm I'm doing it backwards. I'm doing the fifth grade version first where we spent five days in Death Valley and slept under the stars and slept under the sand dunes. There was no like water to cleanse with. The last night we all had to use the bathroom like on the sand dunes under the moon. It's really, really incredible formative experience for especially that age group. It was tough. We hiked out into the desert. We wore big backpacking backpacks and the whole thing. And my daughter's pretty small. Wow. And then we're just getting ready to do the same with my son for his trip. The whole school curriculum starts in kindergarten with these camping trips. And so his is only three days. Yeah. And it's at Anzabrego National Park. So okay. it's a little easier, a little closer. But we all sleep out on a tarp under the stars. And there will be like 100 kindergartners and wow. a dozen parents. Oh my so gosh. kind of a big deal. I'm a little freaked out about the yeah. social part of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people. But, you know, <laughs> I read that you were sort of, you're kind of accustomed to traversing unconventional roads, as it were. I'm pretty sure I heard that you, when you were younger, even hitchhiked with your family to faraway destinations. Is that right? Mm, it was just a little bit how we managed to get by. So yeah. I was born in Minnesota. I grew up up outside a town of 800-something people in the middle of nowhere. Had really wonderful, beautiful, back-to-the-lander hippie parents. (laughs) The original hippie crew from the 60s and 70s. That was my parents' upbringing. So I was raised, born in a literal barn on 80 acres of forest and daisies in a field somewhere. My parents, on purpose, they met when my Mom was in high school and my dad was just out and started writing letters to each other between Kansas and Minnesota. They met through her older brothers and she was married as a senior in high school. And they packed up and they bought this little piece of land way far away from anything in farm country, Minnesota. And there was nothing on it. It was just wild acreage. And they bought a barn in a kit as one does. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they built a little red tin barn on this land, moved there with my brother, who was six months old, and shortly thereafter had me 15 yeah. months after yeah. my brother. I was born at home in the barn six weeks early. I was raised like Little House on the Prairie, but yeah. in the 80s. Wow. And so where we lived, we had my parents, who yeah. were a colorful kind of crew. <laughs> and then we had everything that was around, which was it's farm country, it's hunter country. Growing up, you know, kids in my school would have their hunting rifles to be ready to go hunt after school. So it was just a very, very different world than I live in today, living in East LA with, you know, my kids who were born here in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Quite a different upbringing, Mm -hmm. but we ended up going to Mexico. This is where this comes from. You're asking about travels. So my mother was a body worker, energy mm-hmm. worker, healer, you know, worked with the body and the land. So mm-hmm. familiar Incredible. territory to my yeah. language. My father was an electrician who primarily worked in solar power and really trying to learn about regenerative energy. And before that was really a thing. Yeah. And so I grew up with that. But my dad was an electrician making almost no money in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's winter for all of the year, pretty right. much. And so when I was a small child, my parents would hitchhike with us from Minnesota to Mexico, 
with me at four and my brother at five. And we would do that in the winters because it was easier to live in Mexico than it was in our small town without resources. So grew up with not a lot of financial resources, but Mm -hmm. a wealth of inspiration for how to really just go after the thing it is that you dream, even if it's something way out of the box. Like, let's have a barn in a field and make our babies there and trade with our neighbors and have that kind of upbringing. So it was a... Very, very different. Seems like from a time (laughs) past. But I also read that you started creating potions Mm -hmm. when you were very young. You were a child. Tell us about that and and what was in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, similarly, so... I didn't know that my parents were unusual when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. We're just raised by the people that we're raised by. Right. And I didn't know that I was a little unusual in my own body chemistry as a kid either. I just had my body and my exposures, Mm -hmm. and that's what I knew. And so I wasn't aware of my own dynamics with my skin until I was about my son's age. I was in kindergarten, and I went to a friend's house for the first, like, sleepover without my parents. Right. Or you get dropped off. And now I'm there. I'm in the hands of my parents' friends. And it was dinner time. And I went to go wash my hands before dinner. And I used the restroom and put my hands under the water. And I look up and there's two bottles sitting on the sink. And, you know, this was when there would be like the the fragranced lotion and the the sudsy soap. Mm -hmm. Right. Pretty in some bottle on a counter. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, fancy. Because I come from Dr. Bronner's territory right, growing right. up, or the goat soaps that we would trade with our neighbors, mm. or things like that was everything I had known. And so I went to reach for the soap, and I put it in my hands, and I started massaging my hands. And as soon as it started bubbling, my hands started burning. Mm. And immediately, my whole hands were covered in a blistering rash and mm-hmm. painful. And I was yelling, and my parents's or my friends' parents came running from mm-hmm. the other room. And I was just mortified. One, I was really scared. So I was just like shaking. And what is happening? My Mm -hmm. hands were burning up while I'm watching them. I was just washing my hands. This wasn't anything Mm -hmm. extreme. Right. It was soap. (laughs) But like a foreign substance. But a foreign substance. And I just, I didn't know. I'd never encountered fragrance like that. I'd never encountered surfactants like that. I'd never had a basic detergent formula on my skin before. And so that happened. And Around the same time, I was starting school, and so I would go to the school, and then the detergents used in, you know, kids' elementary schools. Kids are yeah. just full of all of the germs yeah. and all of the ick, and so mm-hmm. it's it's pretty hardcore yeah. detergent, that that pink stuff that they yeah. spurt oh out my into God. kids. Core memory just unlocked. <laughs> right? That can you smell stuff? it? You can yeah. smell yes. it, right, in your head. And even the terrible dispenser, it was like you yeah. hit it from the bottom to get it come out. This is the worst. literally happening to my son right now. He has yes. such bad eczema on his hands okay. I'm like very Blue cocoon on that. okay <laughs> but <laughs> yeah really but this was happening and so yeah and and then it just carried on I was really lucky in that I did have the family that I did because mm-hmm. I'd been protected for so long mm-hmm. but it also meant that they already had the answers I hadn't had this problem mm-hmm. until I introduced things that were outside of right what my body was resonating with yeah and so we had you know, those basics, the things that would not harm, the goat soap from the neighbor, yeah. the Dr. Bronner's, the simple basics. But more than that, my mom would take me down by the river and we would pull clay out of the river. There was this beautiful red, rich clay where I grew up. And we would pull that out of the river and we would cover our whole bodies in it. And we'd cover our hair in it. And we'd talk about being in our skin and we'd talk about being in our bodies. And we'd talk about the qualities of the, the minerals that mm-hmm. were here yeah. just in the river, inherent in the land that I was from. Mm-hmm. And we'd put that all over us and any of the redness and the itchiness and the ick yep. that would develop would just go away. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing what that would do. And then I got older and it was like, ooh, I can take plants and I can mush them up and turn yeah. them into liquid potions. And I was an odd little girl. I would sit there for hours and hours and hours and hand pummel, <laughs> just yeah. piles of herbs and flowers and things that would come from our gardens and from my mother's girlfriends. And and I would make these liquid potions that I'd mix them with clays and salts and herbs. And, and I would just cover everyone in them. And my mom's girlfriends thought it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And they were all herbalists and healers right. and, and in that same language as well. And so I was very right. well supported in a 
foundational way yeah. there. And so as I got older, it was really natural for me mm-hmm. to look to plants for the answers. Yeah. I already knew what didn't yeah. work. And mm-hmm. so I never had to look at it. Right. I just built from that place. And the more I learned and the older I got, I began to not only be able to apply it to my own skin, but really I started to attract people around me who were like, oh, I have that too. Or my mother has that. Or my sister has that. Or, oh, my son is going through that in school right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this comes up over and over and over. And so I would just meet people and then they would come to me and they go, what did you do for this? Mm -hmm. And and I would mix them something and I would make it for them and they'd take it home. And that yeah. just happened over and over and over from my teenage years forward. That's true. That's truly grassroots. I mean, that's it how literally grassroots. Grass and roots is pretty much all yeah. it's ever been made of. I'm yeah. somewhere between a cookie recipe and a tree. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you in part by Con Air. Well, back to school is here. And I wonder how many girls will be rocking the fluffy wave this semester. I mean, I will, and I'm not even headed back to campus. For me, September will always be about a style refresh. And I can't tell you how excited I am to try out the newly reimagined must-have styler Infinity Pro by Conair Curl Secret Ceramic Auto Curler. This is tangle-free tech with the push of a button with customizable settings and multi-directional action. I love hairstyles that not only look effortless, but are effortless. Come on, lazy slash busies. So I really like that hair goes in, curl comes out, just like magic for perfect curls every time. There are three preset curl types, so it works for all hair types. You've got five temperature options. So for me, I can choose a lower setting to help protect my fragile hair. Very important. And it has a ceramic barrel, which is so much better for hair health than traditional metal rods. And don't worry if you're klutz like me, because anti-tangle tech is built right in to help keep hair smooth and protected while styling. I personally can't wait to put mine into action for long lasting curls that'll last for days. You know, there are TIFF premieres ahead, create and cultivate panels to attend. We're headed to LA for some top-notch interviews. We're booked and busy and we need those curls to be on lock every single minute. You too can shop Curl Secret by Conair exclusively at Ulta. That's the all new Curl Secret by Conair exclusively at Alta. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And now back to our guest. So then we have to ask, because, I mean, it seems almost impossible that somehow you became a model next. I mean, just in the sense that it's like, <laughs> it feels like you're hidden away. You're, you know, where did they find this you? This was or before how did social you find media. Them? And it's not that, I mean, you're stunningly gorgeous. That That's, mm-hmm. it's evident while you're a model. Yes, but <laughs> not that part. But just how did they, how did this come to be? Yeah. Mm, well, the path is not as direct as one could think. So I started in the barn, so it's a pretty far stretch to have landed here to begin with. So sometimes I trace my own history and think, well, there's 19 books in that. I don't know how I'll possibly tell that story. The shortest version is I was in my town until I was ready to explode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was a kid who was 
born six weeks early feet first. I was ready to yeah. go from the beginning. And I'd had these parents that had this, you know, they had this romantic love story of like hitchhiking back and forth to see each other. Yeah. And even though they were lunatics for doing so with no resources and small children when I was little, I also know the permission slip that that gave me. And I got to see that in them. And I got to see that they didn't wait to chase their dreams or each other or anything that they ever wished for in yeah. their life. They just went for it all the way. And I always had that permission slip from them. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was raised in an area where there was no examples of anything, yeah, I had these parents who were just like, light it on fire. Yeah. And so very early, I, well, I was a really quiet kid. I was a really, really quiet, introverted, shy kid and awkward and really uncomfortable in my skin and mm -hmm. all of the things. And I had these black sheep parents and I didn't understand why we didn't really fit in mm -hmm. in the town that we were in, right. them and then by association, me. Mm -hmm. And so it never really I never felt like I was free to be me right. where I was from. It didn't feel safe mm -hmm. to be fully my full weird self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so early I dreamed about leaving. I just didn't know what it would look like. And when I was 16, I found an arts program outside of Minneapolis. And it was a two years program at what functioned like a college, but was really a high school. And I did a two year. I applied. Mm -hmm. I got in. Okay. I applied as a theater major, which also seemed like a stretch <laughs> since I could barely speak. <laughs> but I knew that if I didn't put myself out there and literally leave my town, yes. leave any kind of comfort zone that I had and create a new identity. Mm -hmm. Because in my town, the people you go to school with in kindergarten are the same ones that you graduate with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they had decided early that I was just a funny little munchkin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I wasn't going to be anything yeah. besides that. They'd written my story already. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it wasn't for them to write. Right. And so it wasn't, I knew that I had to go. And so I got in, I got accepted there. And then, and then I sought out to find my way as a little fish in a big town. Mm -hmm. And that was a whole adventure. I realized that that probably wasn't the direction I was going to go, but it did really help me find yeah. my voice. So I spent two years there. And then the weekend that I graduated, I went to a party in a field, which is what you do in the Midwest. When you graduate, you just drive a truck out yep. into the forest and then past that and that and through that field. And then you'll see a bonfire with a bunch of underage people right. hanging out. And that was my destination. So I met a woman there, a girl <laughs> across the fire and we fell in love at first sight. And I picked her up in my car a few days later from her parents' house and we took off in my car with all of our belongings. And that was the first time I came to California. Okay. It was just a couple of days after I turned 18, yeah. just a handful of days after graduating. And within hours of meeting yeah. <laughs> this wow. new adventure partner. Yeah. And so she was up for an adventure and I was already on a mission. Yeah. And so we took the very long way here. My intention had always been to be a chef. So there was no part of this where I thought that I was doing skincare, where I thought that I was doing anything yeah. related to beauty. I was always in food. Okay. And so I was sure I'd get to California. I'd start w working in a kitchen again and it would be yeah. not a thing. And we, over a period of weeks and then months of sleeping in the car and applying for jobs every day and trying to find somewhere to live, I ran out of money. Yeah. And during that same period, I'm sleeping in the car every night. We didn't have ready access to water. We didn't have access yeah. to a bathroom. Mm -hmm. We didn't have access to a shower. I couldn't wash my hands or yeah. my face or any yeah. other part of me. And there was a women's shelter that once a week I would go to and we could use a shower. There was a closet we could borrow clothes to go to interviews with. We could use the internet. Mm -hmm. Again, 2001, this yeah. was not yeah. accessible. Internet cafe. And there wasn't overnight women's shelters in mm. 2001 for women. Wow. They had them for men and they would not take responsibility for the women. Wow. And so I just arrived to, one, I just didn't even think I would need a safety net. I'd been so hyper-independent for so yeah. long. Yeah. I was just... You always I, figure it out. Yeah. I was really shocked <laughs> that, right. that it was that way. And so... At the same time, this is a huge amount of stress on my body and we're sleeping in my car and we're staying in neighborhoods where there's not neighborhood watch. Right. Because we needed to be able to sleep enough hours to be able to show up for a job interview. And so eventually, well, where we were parking was next to the factories where they make beer. 
Okay. In North Hills, California, if you look up where that is. Anyway, there's a bunch of like beer factories and I would catch the bus there every day. I eventually got a job, but my skin started falling apart. I'd be waiting next to these factories and there was so much just toxic pollution pollution Mm -hmm. in the air that you could just see. You could smell it and breathe it. Mm -hmm. And I was taking the bus every day. And so I'm just standing by all that exhaust and my entire body, head to toe, was covered in a rash. Oh, God. The whole thing. My arms all the way up. It looked like I had walked through a radioactive spider web. Oh, wow. I was just like modeled in camouflage. Yeah. Colored almost. And my skin was just falling off. Mm-hmm. I'd go oh, to the grocery God. store and little kids pull at their mothers and ask what was wrong with me. Oh, wow. So it was very intense. It yeah. was incredibly physically uncomfortable. I had experienced skin issues my whole life, but it had largely been on my hands, imperial dermatitis on my face, Mm -hmm. and certain other areas if I would have an acute Mm -hmm. response to something specific. I had never had my body just fully reject Mm -hmm. my living. Right. (laughs) And so I was going to all these different doctors and trying every possible method under the sun, all of the conventional ones, which included things like bleach and tar and yeah. injections of all kinds of different anti-inflammatories that they were testing. Mm. So I became kind of a guinea pig wow. for these kinds of conditions. And then I was allergic to the tests themselves. And wow. so the, the allergy panel would break out my entire back and rash would be everywhere. It was horrible. Horrible. It was really horrible. Yeah. And also while trying to build a life and feeling like I couldn't even be seen. Yeah. And I had already had such deep insecurity about my physicality, what I looked like, what I felt like, and my ability to be safe in the world. Mm -hmm. And that chapter just put all of that on high alert. And then my skin showed up to join the party. Yeah. (laughs) The the stress, I'm sure, is just makes huge, it worse. Huge. And of I didn't course. have access to proper nutrition. Yeah. We would get a bag of food from the women's shelter. It would be a, a paper bag full of canned foods. Right. I, I'd eat a can of corn and she'd eat a yeah. can of potatoes. And sometimes we'd switch halfway through. So it was yeah. interesting. Right. So, <laughs> so why do I get the feeling that a casting agent did not find <laughs> you and say, you would make a great model? So again, yeah, I'm going back to how did this happening. happen? Well, a lot, a long path. So that was happening. What that really did was it turned me back to the attention on my skin. Mm-hmm. It made me go, I've looked right. away from this for a period. I thought that I was cooking. I thought that I was doing these other things. And it went, no, I really need to be back here working with the plants and working with skin. Right. I need to look at it. Yeah. It's yelling at me. My skin is right. literally yelling yeah. at me. Absolutely. And and I'd lost I'd lost connection to that because I'd been on the road and I'd been traveling and I'd yeah. been in very yeah. much in actual survival mode. Yeah. And so I got a teaching job at one point in that chapter, I was teaching adults with developmental disabilities life skills, ironically. I would yeah. sleep in my car and I'd roll it off wow. my car and I'd go to work and teach these adults how to speak and how to use language and ride the bus and use money and tell time and yeah. things like that. And then after, I started taking clients again mm-hmm. on the outside. So I was mm-hmm. making like seven twenty-five an hour as a teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> living yeah. in my car still. Yeah. And then in my off time, I was collecting samples, basically, human samples, (laughs) humans who had skin like mine or more extreme than mine, people who were coming from post-chemo, post-radiation therapy, severe acne, eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, rosacea, scars, burns, Mm -hmm. all of the most acute, painful skin conditions were Mm -hmm. really what I was seeking and what I was finding. And so I would work one-on-one with these individuals Mm -hmm. and I would formulate from what I knew. I yeah. just went back to the plants. I went back to the herbs and the spices and the oils and the clays that had helped me so much. And all of the learnings that I'd taken from you know, my childhood and my teenage years yeah. and my 20s where I spent countless hours, weeks, months, years in libraries <laughs> just researching yeah. what, what women have done from the beginning of time. Yeah. Right? I am not doing anything revolutionary. Yeah. What I am doing is what we have always done. We're pulling from our natural environment. The difference is is that in this time period, I don't have to pull from what I can walk to in my village. Right. It doesn't have to be from my river where yeah. this clay comes from. I can source the best ingredients from all over the entire world. Right. In their most potent, most fresh state. Yeah. 
Anyway, so how I get to that. (laughs) So I'm having this turning inside out moment in my body. I start doing these bespoke formulas again. I start building up a reputation for being someone who does that. Right. There was just this very, 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 very underwater, under the radar thing happening where that was developing. But I was still just trying to live. Mm -hmm. And eventually just ran out of steam working Mm -hmm. for 725 an hour and still not being able to move out of my car. Yeah, and yeah. we ended up going to Mexico. So I took a I took a chapter from my parents' book and right. said, "This is really hard. Maybe we go somewhere, yeah, and take a breather for a second. And so we got on a bus and we went to Mexico and we spent several months. We went all down one coast and all on the Guatemala border and all the way up the other side, mm-hmm. which had its whole other story within it. Mm-hmm. But what happened was we popped out on the other side in New Orleans, ended up breaking up there, got other jobs there. I was back in the kitchens. I was back. Being in a place of security, mm-hmm. I had a place to live. I had the fundamentals taken care of. And so I could think about myself yeah. again. And when that happened, I was working back in kitchens. I was working double shifts. I was working at one of Emeril Lagasse's restaurants, okay. which I was 21. Mm-hmm. I was very proud <laughs> to have yeah. that position. Yeah. Um, Biggest deal at that time. It was Emeril. a really big deal. Yeah. And in New Orleans. Bam. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I had gone on a date. I met a boyfriend at the restaurant that I'd started working at and him and I had gone on this date and so we're out to dinner and the food was so good and I just asked to talk to the chef so I could tell him how excited I was about dinner and he came out and I said all I've ever wanted to do was cook in a restaurant like this since I was like baby girl this is all I've ever wanted Mm -hmm. was to to feed like this and no one will hire me I've been all over New Orleans and I was working in restaurants but they kept putting me in the hostess Mm -hmm. spot or other you know on display places and the irony and <laughs> and then he said, well, are you free Monday? Oh, wow. And I said, yes. And I quit my hostess job and, and I showed up and I was started cooking there. So I was doing that. Here's where the modeling comes in. So I was working in a, it was working in a kitchen. It was very male. There was two women in there when I started me and the very old Japanese woman who would come in to make specifically these chicken wings had this really special sauce. And otherwise it was all guys. Yeah. And I was very young and very determined and very much in imposter syndrome. And so I had to go in and just be tough and be strong and work all the shifts and say all the yeses. And and it was really hard. Yeah. I watched myself train every person on the line and watch them pass me up in position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The doors would open to the restaurant public facing and they would take me off of making the soups and sauces and beautiful complex things and they'd put me decorating the cakes in the window. Right. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, I had stumbled across an ad on Craigslist or somewhere where somebody was looking for an art model. Mm. And it was right in this period where I was just like hyper-masculine in myself all the time because I mm-hmm. had to, to do the work that I was doing. Yeah. And I went, you know, when I was in art school, I used to sit for painters. I used to sit for the photography students. And I loved what that felt like to be a part of someone's vision and someone's art. Right. And so I answered the ad. And this was, you know, 2001 mm-hmm. to Pete Craigslist. Pete, yes. Pete Craigslist. Yes. And there was other little pockets of the internet that were opening up at that time. And mm-hmm. there was two sites, one called OneModelPlace.com okay. and one called ModelMayhem.com. Anyway, those two sites happened at the time. And it was a little like Instagram, but for people who were doing random modeling jobs, okay. so random art models and any other thing under the sun. And yeah. and so I put a little profile on there and started working with a few different New Orleans-based artists, yeah. um, both of the painter variety and of the photographer variety. And so that was happening between all of my shifts in the kitchen. And so I would put on my chef coat and my checkered pants and my clogs and then I'd run back and then I would spend my nights doing that here and there. Yeah. And over time, those same artists that I was working with really just as an outlet, just to feel that piece of me, that part of me that felt beautiful and that felt seen and celebrated that way mm-hmm. was really powerful. It was also really important because I'd had such a troubled relationship with my skin and what I looked like. And then I would look at these pictures of myself from somebody else's yeah. view. Mm-hmm. Or I'd be in the frame and I could imagine painting myself into the spot. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm good at this. Yeah. <laughs> and I also really love it. 
And so that was happening more and more. And so these artists would ask me to be in their actual jobs because a lot of them, they had beauty jobs. They yeah. had fashion money clients. jobs. They had real jobs and yeah. they were in New Orleans doing their art. Mm-hmm, but they right. also had, you know, their the real stuff in New York and every other place that they were. Yeah. And I kept having to turn them down because I worked all the time at the restaurant. Anyway, my boyfriend at the time, within a month, both of his parents were diagnosed with cancer within a month of each other. And so they were in New York. We knew that we were going to go to New York. I was going to have to leave this job that I otherwise wouldn't have left, even though I was not treated great. Yeah. And so it took all the risk off the table. We moved to New York. I assumed I would get another restaurant job. I didn't. I kept modeling. That kept happening. Five years passed. And I looked up and I went, I never meant what am I doing? Yeah, to do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. I really never meant to do this at all. I was building my chef career. I was in yeah. the best position. Yeah. Then that life change happened and that's what happened. But in those years where I didn't get another job, I did keep making formulas. Mm. And so that reputation was still brewing in the right. background. And I was going to set every day as a model. And then I was also working as a makeup artist in that same chapter. And so I'd go on set and I'd have I'd have like a fish tackle kit. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, by this time, it was 2006, seven, eight yeah. area. And so when I was doing makeup on set, there wasn't natural makeup brands yeah. really around either yeah. or any of the stores that sell them currently. Right. right. So the detox market, Credo, Fulane, yeah. you know, none yeah. of them, no. none of them around. Like mm-hmm. Hoop wasn't around. Like none of these stores yeah. were selling any of this stuff. Yeah. And so it wasn't available. And so I'd make it because that's, yeah. The kid that I was. Yeah. And so I'd go to set with my with my funny fishing tackle full of all these different pigments and and inks and dyes and different minerals really to make color and then all these different oils and the good stuff, which brought you a okay. present. <laughs> we'll dive into that uh, after. You'll get that. Yeah. Yeah. But I would bring that to set in in a mason jar. And it's this okay. golden shimmering oil that yeah. just smells like sex in heaven. It's <laughs> so good. And it would be in this this mason jar. So it was just this swirling orb yeah. of gold. Right. And I'd bring that to set. And every time I bring it to set, everybody would go, what are you doing? Why aren't you bottling this? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And so that just happened over and over and over until I had so many people sit me down and go, you are just an idiot if you don't start putting wow. your formulas into packaging. Mm. And I had to just yeah. get myself into a spot where I could see what they were seeing. And so it was really just the idea of how do I how do I package this for real and make it a business? Yeah. And and it happened because of the good stuff, because it was this beautiful, sexy, playful, fun thing. And yeah. so it felt a little different than my other yeah. formulas, which were so serious and so all about efficacy and all about taking away heat and taking away pain and taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was just kind of playful and fun. It was like, well, I can maybe I could tell that story. Maybe yeah. the fancy people would yeah. like this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I went to trusty Craigslist. Yeah. And I wrote a love letter to Craigslist designers and and I just told a, help a love wanted, story help a wanted. help wanted love yeah. letter yeah and it was a long one it was a novel anyone who subscribes to anything that I do I do talk a bit in the writing <laughs> and I described it I had a I had a link to a song I had a photo of this field full of dandelions and wishes and magic but I I started to really think about these women whose homes I would go into I'd go into their bathrooms I'd go into their bedrooms and They'd have the little potions that I would make for them tucked away in their little drawers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right next to their anti-itch cream and their anti-eczema cream and the anti-anti-anti-everything drawer yeah. would be my little potions. And then on their vanity would be something beautiful. Right. It would be their Chanel. It would be some red yeah. lipstick they bought on some vacation. It would yeah. be, you know, the perfume that was whatever makes them feel yeah. something. Yeah. Makes them feel some sense of light and celebration in their tending, in their care. Right. And, but everything else that was actually helping them was tucked away. And so I just knew that unless, unless it was going to be beautiful, unless Mm -hmm. it was going to be spectacular, unless it was going to lead with pleasure and really, really invite you in with your senses and then give you all of the efficacy and actually transform your skin. Mm -hmm. If it couldn't do the pleasure one first. Right. You're not going there. Yeah. Yeah. So you took the bottom shelf products and you made them top shelf. Exactly. Vanity worthy. 
And because there was nothing on that top shelf that was helping yeah. any of these women's skin. Yeah. Not a thing. Probably a lot of them making them worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it costs so much more than I was ever going to charge in a million years for any of the things that yeah. I dreamed of, of yeah. making. Right. But I also knew that to make the thing that I wanted to make, it is pricey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I know. Because you, you're very particular about your ingredients and yes. how you source them in the global village and it has to be fair trade and it has to be ethical and the very best quality. Small batches. And small batches. Mm -hmm. And I've completely fallen in love with your blue cocoon, mm -hmm. which I had heard about, but... Tracy Ellis Ross Ooh, is one of the I people who so talked much. about it yes. on our show. <laughs> and and that maybe that's what put it in the ether for us. But, you know, first of all, I'm just going to describe to people the smell, the scent of it is it smells like dessert. Like it kind <laughs> of go, moves into like a chocolate. I don't know if there's chocolate in it. It is blue. It's actually blue mm -hmm. and it melts into an oil. It starts out as a bomb and then it melts into an oil. But in what a tub. A, but no wax. Right. Yeah. And, and no wax, no fragrance, no dyes. Right. And so it doesn't leave that balmy feeling on your face where you can't put any makeup on over top and all that. But what I love about it, I'm just going to go on for a minute, is it it really takes down my redness because I have a lot of skin red, redness and I also yeah. have like perioral mm -hmm. acne going on right now. So tell us the magic behind this product because that's <laughs> the one that has hooked me and I need to understand what is in it and why it's just so damn good. Oh, I, I wish that I had the science speak down enough yeah. to tell you the actual breakdown of every right. bit of power that's in there. But it is. There's this unbelievable combination of all the different fatty acids and the richness of the nutrients, the incredible freshness of every one of those ingredients. Mm -hmm. Our shea butter, which is the base, a lot of people can't use shea butter. Yeah, me. And so a lot of people come yeah. to me mm -hmm. and they say, I can't use shea butter. Mm -hmm. What is going on? Why can I use the blue cocoon? Mm -hmm. I've right. never felt anything like this. And it's because you can go on the internet and you can tap a button and you can have shea butter delivered to you right. from anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's white and it's creamy and it doesn't smell like anything. Yeah. It's really easy to work with. It's kind of just a neutral base. Yeah. It's also garbage. Yeah. Right. It's cooked. It's bleached. It's deodorized. It has no nutrient value. So while this might fall under the category of clean, green, natural, eco, green beauty, whatever yeah. nonsense marketing verbiage you want to put next to it, that is filler. It is mm -hmm. natural filler. It is garbage filler. So to me, it's it's better than petroleum, mm -hmm. but it's there's no benefit there. Mm -hmm. Our shea butter comes directly from where it is made in Ghana, directly, mm -hmm. directly, like not passing through, not, not just a few hands, not yeah. minimizing from 90 hands down to even three. We get it directly from where it's made in Ghana, right from the women who make it. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is comes to us. It's lumpy. It's smoky. It has bits of shell in it. Mm -hmm. It is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Not what anyone else wants to work with. It is what I want to work with. Yeah. Because it shows up and it's ripe. Mm -hmm. Like you can feel it. It's alive. Me, I, yeah. I give this example all the time, but I don't know one more relevant. It's have you ever eaten a garden tomato fresh under the sun, like yeah. actually off the vine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. You yeah. can remember that smell in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I can feel it on my fingertips. I know that the furriness of the vine right. <laughs> that it's on. But that smell, a tomato that comes off the vine is just such a different planet than even when you get in a fancy grocery store. Yeah. Right. You're just not not even the same level. Fanciest grocery store on the planet can't compete to a fresh plucked tomato under the sun. Right. Then you go further into the grocery store and you go into the aisles and you've got a canned tomato. Mm -hmm. And that might be an organic, fair trade, blessed by angels tomato. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once you've packed it up and put it in the shelf like that, it's dying. It's losing its nutrients by the second. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we're doing with our shea butter, with every single ingredient that we use, mm -hmm. is we're going for the garden tomato. Right. We invest oftentimes 10x to give you mm -hmm. the absolute best possible in the entire right. world. And so that's what you're investing in. Right. It's not cheap. Nothing yeah. that we do is cheap. I can't make it cheap. If you ever see it cheap, please don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, 
So important. Every one of these decisions. If I just bought Shea Better off of wherever and put yeah. that in the blue cocoon, you would have the same experience as you've had with every other lookalike balm that's out there. Mm-hmm. And there's right. lots of them. The blue cocoon is in a world of its own because of our obsession, because right. every single ingredient is impeccable. Everyone, not just the star, not just the blue tansy, which is miraculous. It's has to be. Maybe. What does that do? The blue tansy. That is that's 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 what you're noticing. Yeah. So there's a number of factors that go into the blue cocoon's efficacy. Mm-hmm. The blue tansy is really what's going to be the standout there, and mm-hmm. the sourcing is super super important because it's rare, because it's expensive, because it's hard to find. It's also one of the most commonly diluted, mm-hmm. adulterated. Mm-hmm. If you are buying something from anywhere. Yeah. If you just walk into a pharmacy of any kind and you're buying something with blue tansy in it, one, check that label. There's probably not even blue tansy in it. Two, right. even if it says it does, I don't trust it. Right. Yeah. At okay. all. We do such obsessive over-the-top testing of each of our individual ingredients. We don't make new things. So we get to get really obsessive about the things that we do make. Yeah. Because with every single batch, we have the opportunity to look at every single ingredient and go, is this the best? Right. And we get better every year. I have different Mm -hmm. buying rights than I did a decade ago. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I was clicking the same buttons as everyone else. Right. (laughs) I would click, you know, give me the most expensive one. Give me the fair trade. Give me the organic. Give me the best of the best of the best that you have. But I was limited because what you have still was only so good. Yeah. I was still buying, you know, organic fair trade, but it sat in their warehouse and pass through this hand and that hand and that hand before it got to me. Now it's this year's harvest and it comes straight from their door to my door with no one in between. And so are you making it at home or is it in a factory or what's happening? We have a real (laughs) grown up space now, but it is our space. So this started in a bedroom in my house, you know, circa 2008. We launched in 2011. Yeah. When I say we, I'm making shit up because that was me. Okay. Um, I found my my packaging designer, who's still with me 13 years later in just before 2010. So late 2009, December 2009, I hired my packaging designer, Rodney Kizia. And just a handful of weeks later, I met my husband. So my packaging designer predates my husband by some weeks, (laughs) barely. And yeah, the first few years we operated out of a bedroom in my house. So I was blending and filling every bottle. The ingredients would come through my front door. I would wear a headlamp at night trying to pour into our black glass bottles. I didn't have any of the equipment or know how to even know if the bottle was full. So I would use a flashlight, the headlamp. And (laughs) it was very... Very cool. Old school operations back in the day. Yeah. So we started there and then my daughter was born. We launched with our first retailer the day my daughter was born. Hmm. So that was like having twins. It was a (laughs) rather absurd thing to do, but it set our trajectory. And so for those first few years, I poured every bottle. I took every package to the post office. And then there was more packages than I could hold in my hand while also holding the baby. So You right. reach the stage where you ask, do I leave the baby in the car and bring the box <laughs> in or do I get help? Right. And so I hired first one girl to come and then she brought a friend and then she brought a friend. And then later I hired three full-time women and we have our headquarters currently is in Lincoln Heights here east side of Los Angeles. Yeah. And it really, it operates like a bakery. If you come in, you'll see a wall of clays and herbs and salts and spices You can smell everything right when you walk in and everything happens on our property. So Mm -hmm. still all the ingredients come in from all around the world. We Mm -hmm. blend and fill everything fresh in our space. We have a, what we call the dirt room (laughs) where the powder based formulas are made and it's like going into a desert sandstorm. So it's intense in there. (laughs) (laughs) A spicy chocolate factory. (laughs) And then the the oil room is where the blue cocoon and the youth do and the jasmine garden and the body oils are made. So really, really special. So everything is fully Mm in-house and yeah, we've built it over the last, it's been a dozen years. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people who discover your brand are like evangelical about it. Once they (laughs) discover it, they're spreading the word. You need to know about it. And your, your, your brand is so just refreshing in the Amazon world where we're getting everything, you know, on demand ASAP. So I just, I really appreciate that it's just exists and that we have this as an option. Now, I wanted to ask you about something we read about. You were in some retailers, but then you actually 
decided to back out of some of them, which is unusual. (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. So here's the timeline. So we launched our website in November of 2011. Mm -hmm. We launched with our first retailer in July of 2012, the day that my daughter was born. Mm -hmm. And then we slowly added retailers from there. And then those first those first few years of growth were really when the green, natural, eco, et cetera, beauty movement was building up. That was you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. That's when those words started to float around. Mm-hmm. We still weren't using clean. That hadn't come into the language. Yeah. None of the things that are currently being used to describe this was yeah. happening at the time. Because this wasn't this didn't exist. Yes. All of the beautiful luxury natural beauty brands that are around right yeah. now, and there's so many. I'm just elated. I'm like yeah. a proud grandmother of the whole thing <laughs> because it's everywhere. Yeah. But this was not. When I started building Maylinstrom Skin in 2008, yeah. Tata Harper launched the year before we did That's or right. the same year we did. Yeah. There was one or two other brands. And then like RMS Beauty came in with makeup. There was a couple. Yeah, there was a couple because yeah. I was buying RMS in 2008. And so there was a couple around, but really not really. And the stores weren't around either. And so it was really new. And so everybody was kind of watching each other. And when I came on the scene, there wasn't a single other brand who had that kind of packaging and that kind of presence and was also offering formulas that were based on efficacy. Yeah. That were not just a list of no's. Yeah. That's free from. What's that? Yeah. It was a list of so much yes. Yes. Here is all the plethora of abundance that is going into this. And it was so ingredients focused and focused on on efficacy. All the first people who came to us were were from my world of people who knew us for results first. And so even though it was mind-blowingly beautiful and sensorial and sexy and made you feel really good, there was also this foundation in, and it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Like this is the one that you give your mom who mm-hmm. can't use anything. This yeah. is the one that you give your aunt who gave up on skincare decades ago and has just made peace with hating her skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, really important to me that it be beautiful in this way. But I didn't know that it would resonate in the way that it did. And I certainly didn't know that it would really be what created this space. Mm-hmm. All of these other brands yeah. that came up, they came up because brands like mine were coming up and showing the way. And so I was really, I was very proud of that. And so being the first to be in so many of those retailers as they were just coming onto the scene was really important and pivotal too. We got into all of the best retailers in the world. If I had had a list of these are the ones, we were in all of them. And 2017, we were in the height of a very busy growth expansion. It was really exciting. People were really catching on. We cut half of our retailers that year. We put started putting fresh dates, like oh, yeah. actual birth dates on the bottom of every single bottle and jar. Yeah. And we reworked how we work with retailers, ensuring that they were actually doing first in, first out and rotating inventory, which didn't exist. They were yeah. not doing that for beauty products at all. Yeah. And that's genius. So yeah. that was really my mission for those last few years. From 2017 to 2020, I was reworking the the retail space in green beauty and making those systems better. And traveling around and training and doing events and things like that. But it was a huge amount of effort and a huge amount of output. And I would go to train partners and their teams would turn over the month after I left. And I'd go to do an event and that was not my event. (laughs) It was me showing up. And I had small children at home and there was so many things happening. And our most powerful work is when we get to touch people directly. Yeah. When people are able to order fresh from our kitchen lab and we get to send the package with the personal note, with yeah. the little handwritten yeah. note and all the little extras and all the little gifts. And then you're in our world of care. Yeah. That's what I love. So we're going to ask our last question for you. What is next? I know you don't launch a product a minute, so it's an open, you can take the question anywhere you want it. the what's next is I think what everybody is asking me my team included well we started to talk about the the exit from our retail family in 2020 and I will say that that is the question of the moment I have a hunger for community I have a hunger for connection I have a hunger to gather my people and to be in an intimate space where I can really share about skin and connection in the way that's that's mine to share And so I don't know. I think that there is space here for collaboration. I'm excited to meet and connect with people. I feel like I've had my head down for a dozen years. Yeah. Ready to be in the skin. 
Yeah. And spread the <laughs> in word. The world. And yes. that's what we're doing today. Well, thank you so much, May. It was so inspiring to like hear your story from you. And it's just incredible. We love your products and know that our audience will as well. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for thank having you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.